Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to speak about tears to triumph. But before that, I just want to, I just want to paint the scene for you because you may not know this, but in 1958 to 1960 in China, Mao, there the leader, ordered the destruction, the annihilation of sparrows. You'll see why I'm going to tell you in a minute. He he, he sent people out. Millions of people went out into the streets banging drums and making noise. And one person who witnessed that event said that the sparrows were flying into the sky having nowhere to settle until they were exhausted and fell to the ground dead. And they literally swept them up. Why am I telling you that? Because Jesus says this, that one sparrow, out of all those millions that fell in China in those years, but Jesus says not one sparrow can fall to the ground that I do not remember it, that I don't see it. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because you are special to God. I'm telling you this because God is bringing his word to some individual and he cares for you. I'm telling you this because you may feel this morning that you're just like the one sparrow. This is what Luke says about the sparrows. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 6, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them? is forgotten before God. Now, I I just want to point something out. If you read the event, if you read the account of Jesus speaking to his disciples about this situation, you will read in Matthew that he talks about two sparrows for one farthing or one copper coin. But in Luke, he actually refers to the fact that for Uh, Sorry, five sparrows are sold for two copper coins. In other words, a sparrow is thrown in. A sparrow just gets thrown in there. Because as far as the world is concerned, it's regarded as insignificant. It's regarded as nothing. I want to speak to you, church, and I want to speak to you, uh, some individual or individuals, here in God's presence this morning and say, before God, you are not insignificant. You may feel at times like you're the spare sparrow that nobody regards. 
People might speak over your life situations uh, and words that are derogatory and that put you down. But I want to tell you this morning that God cares for you. That in God's eyes you are significant, you have a future, you have a destiny, you have a purpose on this earth. And God sees you just as he saw the sparrow. He brings his word because he sees at times the pain that you have been in, emotional pain and physical pain. He sees the sleepless nights. He sees people's struggles and fears. And he sees the tears that you have wept. And you want to, can I tell you how I know that he cares for you? I want to point you to the cross. This morning, I point you to the cross of Calvary. We're going to hear a bit more about it in a moment. But if you want to know just how much God regards you, look to a place called Calvary. The place of the skull. The place that God, God came down. We're going to celebrate Christmas soon. And we do celebrate Christmas in this church. I'm really glad to say that. And we really celebrate Christmas because, because Christmas, it wasn't the right time for it in the sense that, you know, um, Christmas isn't the time that Jesus was born. But we celebrate, friends, the reality that God became flesh. The Word, the Word, the Word that was always there that has no beginning nor end, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And it went, he went to Calvary. God sent his Son to Calvary, friends. That's how much he cares. Don't ever, don't ever move away from that. Don't ever lose sight of that reality. Psalm 84 and verse 6. I'm going to read... Uh, from the New Living Translation. And this, is what, this is what it says. Because this is my word this morning. This is the word. Well, not my word. I'm sorry, Lord. This is your word. New Living Translation of Psalm 84 and 6 says this. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. And the autumn rains will clothe it with blessing. Hallelujah. I'm going to see just four brief things this morning. I'm going to see, first of all, I want you to look with me at the when. The when. See, that's what he says there in that verse, if we just keep it up for, for, for a moment. When. We're not talking about if. If we are Christians, friends, if we have set ourselves out to follow Jesus, there will be whens. When we walk through valleys. You know, this might not seem, this might not seem the best advert for those who need Jesus this morning. But I want to tell you that if you set yourself out to follow Jesus, it means to take up a cross. And to follow him. It means that at times you will have to deny yourself. 
It means that if you're going to follow Jesus, then there will be times when you walk through a valley, when it's difficult and when it's hard. That's why the Bible calls it a narrow way because not many people want to go that way. But I want to tell you that to follow Jesus is the best decision you can make in your whole life. 40, no, actually I'm going to say 40, 51 years ago I set myself out that I was going to follow Jesus. And I want to tell you I have never regretted one day of it. I want to tell you everything, everything that... I have come to know everything that I have come to own, everything that, that I have en- ever achieved in my life, I can put down to a day in September 1966 when I said to Jesus, I am sorry for leaving you out of my life and I am going to follow you with all my heart. And I turned around, friends. I turned around from the way that I was going which was leading me to a Christless eternity, and I set my stall out that I was following Jesus. And I believe that in God's house this morning, there are people who need to do exactly that. But if you're going to follow Jesus, there are going to be times when it feels that the sun isn't shining. There's going to be times when it feels as though there is no sign of relief. Paul the Apostle had such times, and you will have such times, and I've had such times. Paul says this in Acts chapter 27. Let me tell you, he was in the middle of a shipwreck, he was in the seas. And this is what he says when when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You imagine. There may be people, there are people here this morning and this valley has been with you. You feel as though you've been in this valley for many days. It may, all, it may at times feel like Paul and those people that were with him that all hope is lost. But I want to, I want to bring to you this morning this word not to give up hope. There may be people, there may be people who feel they are on the very verge of burnout. But God brings his word to you. You may, you may, you will, if not now, in the future, go through valleys and difficulties. But Jesus is going to bring you through. Jesus will bring you through. It happened to Jesus. You know, in the glory, you know, one moment he was in the glory of baptism and the Holy Ghost coming down like a dove, the voice of God speaking that this is my beloved Son. And then very shortly after, friends, he was in the wilderness in a time of temptation and pressure, and it must have felt like a valley to him. But he told us, he told us, 
he didn't, you know, he's not, I want to tell you, we're not presenting the gospel as some cheap sales gimmick this morning. Jesus said this, in the world you will have trouble. And this is the good news. I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. He has overcome the world, friends. Glory to God. That's the when. I want to say about the walk. You see, we are on a journey. We're on a journey. And when you read this psalm, the whole psalm, it's really an expression of someone who is walking to Zion, to Jerusalem. It's an expression of someone who is a pilgrim. It's someone who is thirsty for the presence of God. And it's quite likely that it was written by David the psalmist when he was in exile. He was estranged from the place of worship. Some people, some writers have suggested that the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, is a place around Palestine on the way to Jerusalem. This morning, it may not appear as if the sun is shining, but I want to tell you, the world is not your own. This world is not your home. That verse says there, walking through the valley. Good news this morning is, you're going to come through it. The valley's made for walking through. There are lessons to be learned in the valley, but I want to tell you, you will come through it. The valley of weeping is going to give way to something glorious. We're on this walk. We're on this walk together and it will pass. One scripture says this, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. You may be this morning in a time of weeping and tears, but I want to tell you, I've got some good news for you. Joy is just around the corner. J28, joy is just around the corner. They were walking there along the valley and they could not see, they could not see the city. They couldn't see Jerusalem. You may feel even this morning, that you just can't see where you're going. You, you, know, you don't feel like you used to feel the presence of God. There's a sadness and a, 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 a dullness within your heart. And you're just longing for the presence of God. You're longing again to see like David or those on a pilgrimage. You're longing to see the city. I want to encourage you this morning to keep your eyes upon the city. You may not see it, but you can see it. Let me tell you what I mean. Abraham, Abraham, going through his time of valley, going through his difficulties. It says of Abraham, he looked for a city. 
He looked for a city whose builder and maker is God, or whose builder and architect is God. Look for a city. What city? He wasn't looking about the new. He wasn't looking about Jerusalem as it was. It wasn't there. And he's not looking at Jerusalem as it is now. I tell you what Abraham was looking at. He was looking, he was looking where Joan and Peter Guy are looking, where they are rejoicing in the reality that there is a new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. There is the city of God. Church, I want to implore you this morning, keep your eyes upon the city. Hallelujah. Because you will walk through and the warmth of his presence will eclipse the tears and the tears will give way to triumph. I want to, my third point is this, the weeping. Christian life does involve valleys, not just because we are Christians. The Christian life involves valleys because we live in a world that has been spoiled. We live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world that isn't the ideal that God wanted for us. We live in a world where sickness comes along. We live in a world where pressures come along. And even more so, as Christians, we live not only in a world that is fallen, but we live in a world where there is opposition to us walking. And I, you know, I, I am just thrilled to bits when we have baptisms, you know. And by God's grace, we're going to see more baptisms. We're going to see more and more and more as people settle it in their heart that they're going to follow Jesus. You know, with baptism comes a time when they feel in battle because they've set themselves, they're going to follow Jesus. Yeah. And when we set ourselves, you see, we are, we're not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Church, this morning, if we, if we are determined that we're going to follow Jesus, then I want to tell you this morning that you have an enemy who is equally determined that he will stop you following Jesus. But the good news, there's always good news. Jesus has got the victory. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's not in our strength. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that if this is for you a time of tears, you are in good company. Tears are not a sign of weakness, but a source of strength. Your tears this morning are not wasted because like that one insignificant sparrow, God sees every one of those tears. This is what God said. This is what God said to, to Ezekiah through his servant. He said, 
I have seen your tears. Church, I believe God is saying that to you this morning. I have seen your tears. David had times of tears. He said in Psalm 43, day and night, day and night, I have only tears. In another he says, it seems as though my meat and drink have just been tears. Where are you? Where, where? It felt as though it was just missing something of the presence of God upon his life. He was in a valley. He was in a valley. I want to tell you this morning, you're in good company because Jesus, Jesus had times of tears. Jesus had times of tears. Let me... Let me point you to Hebrews 5 and verse 7. This is speaking about Jesus now. When he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death was heard because of his godly fear. Let me make it straight, friends. This is the place of Gethsemane. This is the place where Jesus was settling it once and for all. He was going to the cross. This is the place where he sweat great drops as of blood. It's not a place where he is begging for his life but it is a place where the very pressures of hell came upon him. It's the place where the price, the price was real. As soon he would lay his life down for you and me. Where soon the sin, just see this, the sin of you and me. Your sin. Those things, those things that you're ashamed of in your past or even present. Those things that we never talk about. Those areas where we know we sinned against God. All of that was, was just weighted. All fell upon Jesus. And with strong and vehement tears, he called unto God. But at the end of it, he said, not my will, not my will, but yours be done. And when Jesus left Gethsemane, he was already the victor. His tears had brought him to the place where he would triumph. He went from... Gethsemane, and he went, friends, to Calvary. And Calvary took him to resurrection. And resurrection took him to ascension. And ascension took him to intercession for you and me. Hallelujah. 
But I know this morning, I know because God laid this upon my heart that there are people who have wept. And your tears, it seems, have been the thing that have kept you up at night and kept you away from your food in the morning. And I'm also aware that weeping is not all about tears. I'm very conscious that sometimes it isn't the outward manifestation of our tears, but there is a weeping that takes place in the heart. I want to finish with this, the worth. See, if I can, if we can just bring that verse up again. Psalm 84 and verse 6 from the New Living Translation. This is what it says. That when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. It will become a place of refreshing spring. It may not seem it this morning. It may seem that the valley is too deep. But I want to tell you this morning that God will turn your tears into triumph. I want to, I want to bring this sense of consolation and comfort and strength to you this morning that God will turn it all around and he will cause from your tears springs of blessing. Springs of refreshing water. A place of refreshing springs. He will do it I believe, friends, this morning I speak to you the Word of God and say to you that out of your tears this morning, in, in days to come, in weeks or perhaps even years, God will not only produce through your tears refreshing springs for yourself, but He will produce refreshing springs that other people will drink and be refreshed. God will bring to pass, friends, that that he has set himself to do. The weeping gives way to wells, springs for the thirsty. Not one. In fact, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Proverbs or Psalms, but forgive me, there's a scripture that tells us that God has stored them all up in a bottle. <laughs> it's, you know, they're not wasted. You say, you say, well, they fell. They fell to my pillow. They fell to my, my handkerchief. I want to tell you, God has stored them all up. Not one of those tears this morning is wasted. The worth of this time of tears is yet to be revealed. Church, this morning, stay the course because the rain is coming. <coughs> stay the course, church, because the rain is coming. The rain says there, he will cause not just the tears to become a refreshing spring, but he will, he will cover 
He will cover. Let me find it. He will cover or clothe that time with blessing. He will clothe it with blessing. One of the one of the versions of this verse says, He will fill it. He will fill it. I want to tell you, church, this morning, the rain of the Holy Spirit is coming. It'll, it may come through the valley of Baca. It may come through the valley of weeping. But I want to tell you, the rain that Joel chapter 2 speaks of, the former and the latter rain, God will pour out. And for some of you, it will be the tears that you have shed that has brought the rain. But the rain is coming. Hallelujah. It will not only cover you. It will not only cover you, but it will fill the valleys. And the places of sadness and hopelessness, of depression and darkness, they will be blessed and turned around by the water of the Holy Spirit, by the rain of the Holy Ghost. The valley will give way to the presence of God. And you'll say, it was worth it. It was worth it. That valley was worth it. Wow, what is God doing? Let me, let me take you back to Paul the Apostle and all, all that he went through. You, you've only got to read it there uh, in his letters, all that he went through. I mentioned the shipwrecks, but the shipwrecks are just one of the things that he went through. He went through, he went through imprisonments, he went through stripes, he went through the, the position where they whipped him to literally... Uh, an inch of his life, if they'd have continued whipping him, he'd have died. He was stoned and left for dead. Some theologians say he was dead. Um, and God raised him up. He went through all that. Let me, let me, let me finish this, this particular section here about worth. This is what he said. He said, when I've counted it all up, when I've reckoned it all together, when I've put it upon... Um, a balance and I put all my troubles all my valleys all my tears all my pain all the pressure all the depression all, all the sadness when I put it all on one side and I take the other side here and I place on this side the glory that shall be revealed oh hallelujah the glory the presence of God that shall be revealed. When I put the glory of God on this side, you know where this goes? Whew, it's here. Glory of God's down here. Paul says it's not even worthy to be compared. It's not worthy to be compared. Brother, sister, this morning, you may feel the weight down here this morning of the pressure and the tears and the sadness and the struggles, and the tribulation, and the trouble. But I want to tell you, he's bringing, he's bringing the glory that shall be revealed. Hallelujah. Glory that shall be revealed. This morning, 
there are people in God's house who are going through that. But there are people who are going through it without Jesus. You see, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about people who have made the Lord their strength. That's what I've been talking. But there are people here this morning who have not put their trust in God. There are people who have not, who who can't say, my strength is in God. Because you don't know God. You don't know Him. And and that's not not an indictment upon you. I'm not saying that in any way to insult you. It's so tragic that there are people in this world who go through all of those things, but sadly, they go through them without God, their strength. And there are people here this morning who are in that very position. To the Christian, he says, to church this morning, he says, I want to tell you, you will go from strength to strength, from tears to triumph. But to you, who seem afar off, to you, brother or sister, who you don't know the God that I'm talking about here, I want to tell you, where do you go? I want to ask you, where do you go? You know where they go? They try all manner of things. There are people outside, may even be people inside this morning. And where do they go? They go to the bottle. Or they go to the next fix. Or they go to the next thing that seems to give them some sense of relief. But they wake up in the morning and all the weight is still there. All the pressure's still there. And all that they've done, all that they've done, it's just to no avail. This morning, I believe, God has brought his word to this church to encourage you. To encourage you that you may be this day in the valley of Baca, but soon, soon the sun is going to be shining. Soon the rain is going to fill the valley. I believe he's also speaking to people. May have known the Lord some time ago and drifted away. Perhaps you've never known. You've never really known this God that I'm talking about this morning. And he's reaching out his hand and he's saying, I don't want you to go through these things on your own. You don't need to go through these things on your own. You, you know, he sees you like he saw the sparrow. You're not insignificant in his sight, and he cares for you. 